And now, The Road. Dude, it's Mayweather Pacquiao fight week, and we are the ropes. I'm ESPN.com's Brian Campbell, alongside with the better half in this Brotane clan, Grantland's Rafe Bartholomew. And Rafe, look, we are five days away from the fight of the century, Las Vegas, Saturday, Mayweather Pacquiao, and I've got to tell you it like this. I'm dancing like Mark Madsen. I'm shacking a fool up in this piece. So I only have one question for you. Can you dig it? Wow, that was a tour de force. Man, I am, uh, how do I say, I am happy as a pig in verbial-ish right now, man. I'm back in the Philippines uh, talking to you from Katipunan Avenue, Loyola Heights, Quezon City. Uh, really excited to watch the fight and fight week here, to, to just check it out and, and get all the energy here and hopefully see uh, some, some, some something spectacular on, set on Sunday here in the Philippines, Saturday yeah. uh, in Vegas. That's the real underreported thing. I'll be I'll be leaving for Las Vegas on Wednesday, covering the fight at the MGM Grand. You're going to be covering this thing from the Philippines. You're already there. You're up in the middle of the night with jet lag. Uh, last time you looked at the clock, it was 3 a.m., so I must be lonely. But, baby, what's it like there right now? Well, man, it's hot. It's the hot season right now. So, I mean, everybody's sweating. It's been about 95, 100, between like 95 and 100 all week long. Uh, it's going to be like that in a hot gym where with about 2,000 people watching uh, Manny Pacquiao fight Mayweather on Sunday morning. Uh, and it's going to be a pretty, <laughs> a pretty loud, wild atmosphere. Uh, you know, one of the funny things about the, sort of the fight narrative here is that they had, the, the people here haven't gotten the, uh, the whole – uh, you know, the same story that, that American fight fans have, the sort of back and forth between who wants to fight, who doesn't. You know, in a lot of Filipinos' minds, the news here has just told them Floyd has been running from Manny for the last five years. So some people are, like, bloodthirsty, ready for a massacre. And, I, I mean, I think we both know the fight will probably be a little closer <laughs> than that. But it'll be fun to see uh, how the expectations uh, game gets played with, with the fans here. Absolutely. And to fill in the blanks a bit on the narrative, you've lived in the Philippines before in the past. You wrote a book about the, the basketball culture there. I mean, you're, this is nothing new for you to jump on a plane and go check it out. Not at all. In fact, I mean, I think Manny is probably the, the biggest reason why I became a serious boxing fan and someone who took the sport seriously and, and got deep into it. You know, I was living here in the middle of his his rise to, uh, to his first rise to fame, the Morales fights, the first couple Marquez fights. You know, those are the fights that sort of captured my imagination and turned me from sort of a, a guy who really liked boxing to a guy who loved it. And then when I, you know, it, he, I just, you know, followed from there, man. Well, I can't wait to hear what your what your journey there for this this few weeks is like. Uh, we're gonna have a great show for you today. Of course, this is our Mayweather Pacquiao full on preview. We're we're you know we're taking it all off. We're putting it all on the table. We have a fantastic interview with welterweight contender, Showtime and, and CBS analyst Paulie the Magic Man Malinaji, who really goes in depth here to break down the matchup for us. That's going to be coming up later. Uh, Rafe, before we get into our own little nuts and bolts, X's and O's, what are you sort of expecting? Uh, you're not going to be there. I'm going to be on the ground in Vegas, but do you have any expectations for sort of the craziness and pageantry that we may see this week in Vegas? Because this is going to be like a regular fight week on steroids. I mean, this is going to be nuts. Yeah, I, I expect it to be uh, a classic world-class uh, cluster bang, and I'm not 
too disappointed to be missing it. Although at the same time, there's obviously something great about being in the middle of it all and witnessing a, a huge fight and, and being able to say you were there. But man, Vegas is going to be such a mess and uh, it's going to be sloppy and crazy. The, May- the Mayweather crowd is going to be in effect doing their thing. Everyone's going to be sort of buying up all the, all the booze, all the Hennessy in, in Vegas. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, Brian, what are you thinking? Are you, are you, are you ready for, for this whole scene and, and, and everything that is going to come with it? I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, for a little bit of quick history, my first ever Vegas fight was Canelo Mayweather from 2013. So that was sort of my initiation. And that was an intense week of just excess in your face everywhere you turn, crowds, uh, famous people everywhere. This can only be that times 100. I'm a little bit nervous about, you know, just the congestion and everything. But when it's all said and done, I'll survive. I just can't wait to, you know, to hear that opening bell and, and be there when it happens. Where are you actually going to be watching the fight in the in the Philippines? Are you going to be in the Araneta Coliseum by any chance? I, I love the Big Dome. It's one of the great uh, one of the great arenas here in the Philippines where, of course, uh, Muhammad Ali fought Joe Frazier for the third time, Thriller in Manila. But my plan is actually to go a little more down market, a little more masa to get with the, the people uh, at a free viewing at the Mandaluyong City Gymnasium, which is where Manny Pacquiao actually fought three of his first six fights and where uh, he was actually knocked out for the first time in his 12th pro fight against Rustico Torricampo. So the history of that venue, the the sort of the the, the energy that the people there are going to bring, I want to see it like that. I really want to experience it from the from the from the ground up. And in, in, while wearing a pair of chinelas, right? I, I there's no other way to dress out here. If you wear shoes, they're going to get beat up, man. Beat up. And speaking of Manny, real quick, I mean, is he going to avenge that Rustico loss or what? I mean, it's only been, you know, 20 years. Come on, dude. Uh, Rustico has been on TV a few times out here over the years, and uh, he is not looking like he's ready to get back into the <laughs> ring for that one. I think he's, he he's the, willing to, to forfeit that one to Manny. He's the brightest Prescott of the Philippines. He's got that one thing, that, that one win he's holding on to. But, Rafe, let's get yeah, into this. I can't this. wait until Terrence Crawford fights him. <laughs> it's Maypac preview time. I think the, how we wanted to sort of hit this was to sort of throw out an answer. What are the biggest questions for each of us entering this fight? It's taken five and a half years to get here. The narrative has changed so much over the years, but we still have a really good matchup here. Let's just kick it off and get right into it. My first question, Rafe, X's and O's from two worlds colliding, rival nations, two styles just you know colliding in the middle of this ring. I want to know, how will Mayweather react in the first four rounds to Pacquiao's speed? Because if I have one question above all that will dictate where that fight goes, I think that's going to be it. Not when he takes Manny's first punch. How does he react in the early going to you know to Pacquiao's electrifying speed, still elite hand speed, but also the speed of his feet? You know, and we've broken down in the last few episodes, Mayweather having a little bit of issue in the past with speedsters, especially southpaws. We really haven't seen him fight one in a long time. And again, if you're going to build a case for Pacquiao having success or maybe even being victorious, you're going to hang on to that narrative. I think how he adjusts to that, when he makes that adjustment, uh, whether he's going to be overwhelmed and give up a few rounds early to sort of wait and set up his counter-angling, or whether he's going to be in a situation where he feels like he has to stand and trade back to keep Pacquiao away, or whether even Pacquiao will be as aggressive early on as we assume, or whether he will take a step back, maybe kind of like he did in the first two rounds in the Bradley rematch and box from the outside Mm -hmm. more. How they first collide, Rafe, is going to be, to me, the most interesting thing that plays out here. 
Well, absolutely. And also just the moment when the bell rings and they walk towards each other to the center of the ring is something obviously we've been waiting for for, for years, literally. Uh, but how Mayweather, well, we've seen Mayweather's recent opponents have not been that fast of foot or hand speed. And Manny is obviously going to bring that to this fight. I think what we, I, I bet Mayweather will be Mayweather. He'll be he'll take his time. He'll be a little defensive at first and try and feel it out. And eventually he's going to look to start timing Manny as he comes in with, with, with his offense. That's probably the way that he'll look to counter. And, and if he can beat Manny, beat him that way, right? Absolutely, yeah. I, you know, we're trying to make a case that maybe he can't afford to give away early rounds in this matchup because of the potential for it to be close. But I think, if any, he may do the first two to really get down Manny's speed and timing against him. But, you know, Manny is a little bit more awkward, has that weird rhythm compared to sure. any other type of fighter Mayweather would have faced. So that's the, the intrigue to me. But I do think once he sort of uh, is comfortable, finds his comfort zone with that speed and awkwardness, then we potentially see that Mayweather patented adjustment. Then the whole chess match gets very interesting. Absolutely. Uh, and I got to ask, do you, I mean, exactly, Manny's speed and his rhythm, they're not easy to pick up. Some fighters don't ever figure it out over the course of 12 rounds, really. Do you Do you think Mayweather is so good he's going to be able to, to, to adjust, uh, you know, in the first half of the fight? Absolutely not. And that's where I think the big illusion, like even if he does and wins the fight after making an adjustment, even if you've been a pro Mayweather guy this whole way, I don't think it's, you know, remotely that easy to sort of say he's going to take, you know, two rounds as, as long as he took to figure out Robert Guerrero, let's say. And, you know, this is a much different fighter. I mean, that's the key to why Manny is so special, right? Because, you know, he has great technique and speed and power, but he's still so awkward. You know, it's not necessarily a raw awkward. Like, yes, you know, he makes mistakes compared to, you know, a, a a more refined fighter like Mayweather, but he finds a way to be technical within his own rawness. And I just don't think it's going to be that easy for Mayweather, which means you, he might get to a point where he's either going to, you know, have to give up a couple rounds or he might have to crawl a little bit closer and look to, to, to throw a little bit more and trade a little bit more and try to, you know, counter him from close the way that Marquez did. That's all this potential and the chess match is going, it's just really, it's, it's, that's the key to the fight right there. That's, that's the draw to me. And Manny is creative, right? I mean, he never really stops improvising in the ring. You know, that's ever since, you know, he, he developed out of that early style of his, which was really, you know, dominant on his left hand, his straight left. He's been a, a really Im improvisational, fluid, fun fighter to watch who will just try anything to land a punch. And it'll be great to see how that works against a defensive fighter of Mayweather's caliber. Now, let me move on to the next question here, Brian. Um, and this is something that's been in the news recently. It seems to come up now with every Mayweather fight, and probably uh, appropriately. Do you think that the discussion of Mayweather's history of domestic violence is going to have any impact on the fight? I mean, does, it's, it's, it, it's not going away, and it shouldn't go away. Uh, is it eventually going to get to him in this, on this big stage? No, I think it won't. I mean, look, the, one of the many keys that have made Mayweather, you know, really the fighter of this generation up to this point is how unflappable he is. I mean, I went over and ranked his five most important wins for a piece I did on ESPN.com. And in each one, there was almost, you know, it showcased a certain level of t toughness or intangibles or just internal mind toughness to get over certain hurdles. You know, the fact that he overcame the injury against Castillo and won that close fight. The fact that with the jail sentence lingering over his head against Cotto, that, you know, if there was 
never a time where he would have had an excuse to maybe not be up up to par mentally. He was able to focus so well. Rafe, even before the first Marcos Maidana fight, I thought compared to any other fight, that was the most distracted I'd ever seen Floyd. He was going through sort of the public public breakup at the time with with uh, his then fiance Miss Jackson. Miss Jackson. He was talking a lot about his career in the past tense, about retiring. Uh, and I don't think it was in the normal sense. Sometimes, it, you know, before a promotion, he throws out the potential retirement angle just to get a couple more pay-per-view buys. I think this time he was like as distant or distracted as I had ever seen him. And then he goes in there with a Hurricane Maidana coming at him, and he, you know, righted the ship, stood his ground, and fought him back and won a, a close but clean fight. I really don't. I mean, this is the key to who Mayweather is. He lives this stuff, bruh. You know, there's levels to this, and he's at the top level for a reason because he's so unflappable. He's able to focus so almost maniacally. And I, I don't. As much as this is completely bad PR for him, uh, and, and it's you know, and the criticism against him, I think it is justified. But I don't think he's going to be you know, any different than he normally is in the ring that night. Um, I hear you, man. The one thing that makes me think perhaps there's a chance this could play some role for him is that. This time, Mayweather seemed to try and put a good public face forward in this fight. He looked at all of these positive, uh, these you know, messages of positivity he's putting on his Facebook page. These videos of of women boxers who are inspired by Mayweather, <laughs> and it all seemed kind of like an over the top attempt to refute sort of the the the, the evidence uh, of of some of the crimes and, and pro- things he's done in the past. Uh, but, you know, it's like he actually tried to look like a good guy and, and no one bought any of it this time. So, uh, he, you know, maybe maybe he's a little more sad going into this one, although in the ring I think he just turns into himself again and that's that. Yeah, he knows how to go into autopilot in a good way and just sort of get it done. And to, to your point on sort of throwing nice things out there, I've sort of teased at a potential late career Mayweather face turn to steal a pro wrestling term in terms of his public image for a few years. Now, I really thought it was going to happen after the Canelo fight where afterwards he was so complimentary. He wasn't, you know, even upset at that awful CJ Ross scorecard, which looked like it could potentially you know, almost give him a, uh, his own Montreal screw job there. He didn't have any of that. He was polite. I, I really started to predict that, that to sort of change the way we remember him and think about him that he was going to go that route but I just don't necessarily think it's in him to go that route and then with the way that this the the, the domestic violence issues have just sort of blown up around him and the, and the fact that it's getting so much play and deserves to get so much play considering how many you know cases there are out there how, all the bad news that goes with that I think it's peace past that point now where, where he's going to try to you know win over the public it's just he, he he built himself on the villain role and I think he's in too deep to turn it back and be the hero again so uh Rafe, let's go. To, uh, let's move on here to my next question. Here is essentially a continuation of my first one: is how does Pacquiao respond to Mayweather's patented mid-fight adjustment? Because Rafe, that's the the you know the next level of where this fight goes. Because Mayweather will give you a few rounds, he'll watch you, and then he will take away your greatest offensive weapon. He will systematically disarm you of that and then slowly start to pick you apart. Uh, again, to echo what we said, I don't think it's going to be that easy for Mayweather to make his adjustment, but I think inevitably he will because that's how strong of a you know, genius of a fighter he is. Does And I'm going to kind of swing this back to you. Do you think Pacquiao has the savvy ring IQ, the versatility to make his own adjustment on top of that, which no one's really been able to do to Mayweather? I don't know if he I don't necessarily see him making an adjustment like like as as we call it like a chess match you know sort of you know rook to knight knight to bishop I yeah, my chess terminology is going to run out on me here <laughs> but I don't think it's going to be like a perfectly counter oh you take this 
away from me. I'll take that away to, to, you know, it's like, I don't think it's going to match up like a lock and key, but I think that he can, I think that Manny can respond by just not letting Mayweather's adjustment take him out of the fight. Right. I mean, that is, that is the death blow against May, against Mayweather. Or that's the, that's really when you've lost is when, he makes his adjustment and an opponent decides it's almost not worth using his, his what weapons he has anymore. Uh, and if, as I think that if Pacquiao can keep coming at him, keep sort of throw the entire kitchen sink, whatever, whatever he can come up with to give him trouble, to stay active, to maybe steal rounds just on activity. Yes. So, yeah, I, I don't think it will be a technical adjustment that, that Manny will make as much as a, a mental adjustment where he, you know, he's just going to have to tell himself to keep being aggressive, to keep pressing the fight, to keep bringing punches. True. And, and, you know, whether that means stealing rounds on activity or maybe, you know, that activity lands le- leads to him landing a, a, some more meaningful blows. He just can't let Mayweather's adjustment take him out of the fight. He's got it. He's just got to keep coming and, and just be as determined as ever to not stop, man. I agree with you. I don't think he's going to do the silent contract with which guys like Canelo and Guerrero had done where, you know, they're down, they're mentally defeated. They make, they get to a point where they're like, I'm not going to press forward and just keep getting tagged clean. I think he's a different fighter. I think he's, you know, a better pressure fighter in that regard. I don't necessarily know if he can make that key adjustment like you sort of alluded to. Uh, you know, you didn't know either if he could. Maybe just coming straight forward and continuing to try to, you know, mix up what he does is his best option. But I think he will be coming and continually moving. The problem is what if Mayweather's adjustment becomes a situation where he's landing clean right hands consistently and they're hard clean right hands consistently. Is there anything that will bring back enough flashbacks to give Manny pause from going the distance coming forward as hard as he would? Well, it's the question of Floyd's punching power, right? Which is something we don't really know for sure. Uh, Floyd punches, we've seen, has punched hard enough in his career to deter bigger fighters from from really just walking through him. But at the same time, he hasn't knocked guys out, and he throws one shot at a time, and he doesn't really look to, to end fights that way. Uh, the, the basically, the, we, there's a chance I do, and Manny, despite you know getting knocked out a few years ago badly against Juan Manuel Marquez by a straight right that he ran right into, which is a situation you can see happening in this fight, maybe with or without the knockout, uh, Manny, you know, I could see him being undeterred by yes. those punches if they aren't, if they don't have quite enough sting on them. You know, exactly. I mean, there's, I, there's I one could... kind of punch that Manny feels and then he gets mad and comes at you harder. There's another kind of punch that he feels and then doesn't come at all. You know, I totally or, or see just him sets and tries again. Living life Which without fear. Yeah, exactly. Living life without peer, fear, putting five carrot in his baby girl's air. I don't think he's going to be deter- deterred by the power. I think he's going to keep coming and bringing it on. And that's where I think the, the the drama falls in late. Even if he's down, I think he's going to keep putting on that pressure. And that's when the fight, I think, will live up to the expectations in the long run. So I'm looking forward to seeing, again, obviously, again, how they how they react to each other from the chess standpoint. But, oh, man, this is getting me fired up. Fired up, Rafe. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So here's another here's another one of the big questions for you, brother. Uh, you know, we've seen Mayweather, we sort of know him as this master of the mind games, master of the mental game before and leading up to the fight, up, you know, up to the minute of, you know, the first bell and then even through the fight. And we kind of haven't seen him 
acting up in those ways this time so far for this fight. And we sort of believe that was because it's such a big fight. They're taking it so seriously. It's, it's all about the fight and the training and, and, and that. But do you think there is any chance for some sort of last minute gambit by Floyd Mayweather to get in Manny's head, whether it be something like the Maidana fight, the first Maidana fight where he, he went backstage after the weigh-in and said, nope, you can't use your gloves, Maidana, even though the Nevada Commission approved them. Now, we've seen in Manny's past when he hasn't been able to use his Cleto Reyes gloves, <laughs> he hasn't felt comfortable or, you know, it has affected fights. That was part of the story of the first Eric Morales fight that he lost and then came back, got his gloves, and won. Now, a lot of other stuff happened, but do you think Mayweather is going to pull any last-minute shenanigans? Yes, I do, because that's his character. That's who he is. I mean, it's not just the Madonna thing where he was willing to pay the, the unspecified fee, you know, the, the million four or whatever, whatever we thought it might was to, to get those gloves off the table. Let's not forget at the last minute he played those mind games against Marquez and decided not to come down and wait to the catch weight at 144 and instead wait in at 147 and paid the extra money to Marquez. We saw also, you know, when he felt he needed a one up against Victor Ortiz in that way and he grabbed him by the throat knowing that Ortiz wasn't going to be the kind that, you know, was going to come over the top and hit him. He knew he could mentally get the edge on him. I, I, you know, it's not going to be as easy to get in Manny's head, but if this is Mayweather, if this fight means as much to him as I assume it does, and I, I see him in the buildup being so serious about it, yes, I don't know what he's going to do, but I fully expect something come either final press conference on uh, Wednesday or final weigh-in on Friday. It's going to be fun to see what happens. Well, come on, man. Lay it on me. you got to give me a hypothetical if you think it's coming. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm. Uh, you know, I'd like to see... Uh, uh, Something with involving Boo Boy. You know, if you humili- humiliate Boo Boy, <laughs> that might be the only way to get to Manny's heart and really get him upset. Dude, I, I mean, as a huge uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme Bloodsport fan, I would not advise that. Like, you saw what happened when Chong Lee st- head-stomped, uh, <laughs> you know, Frank Dukes's boy in that <laughs> semifinal fight there and then pointed to, to, to Dukes and said, you are next. That was it. That was that meant that you know that if if Mayweather messes with Boo Boy, or if he has any of the bodyguards mess with Boo Boy, or Leonard Ellerby gets in Boo Boy's face, I, it's all bets are off. Like you you are poking the bear in the worst way. Like Manny's gonna go buck wild on him if that happens. Yeah, I mean, Boo Boy did get the, the tattoo on the inner left forearm, which, you know, if you're – we've talked about the inner circle of Pacquiao. There's very few people who are on the elite upper crust the inner circle. And, I, you know, I haven't checked your, your forearms for tracks in a while, but are, do you have that tattoo or are you, out, are you on the outs right now? I have not gotten the meteor, the meteor tattoo on the left forearm, the inner left forearm, which signifies uh, a deep connection with Team Pacquiao. I, I have thought about what would happen if I walked into his shop – and just said, you know, lace me with one of these meteor tattoos. You know, I want to be down. Um, but I haven't, I haven't worked the moxie yet. Uh, one of these days, if, if he maybe, no, I don't want to promise a tattoo if he wins because you know uh, I want him to win, and I don't really want the tattoo. Absolutely. Moving on here, Rafe. Let's get into my next question. Which scenario here do you think best promises the chance we end up seeing, you know, that Manny of old, that the one that roaches before every single fight says uh, the Manny of old is going to come out and he's going <laughs> to knock a guy out in four rounds? Uh, you know, we know that guy is in there. Look, we've seen that guy as recently as, of course, the fourth fight against Juan Manuel Marquez in 2012. Now, the argument that that guy is gone might be the end of that fight ended with Manny face down, passed out. So, you know, I could see that counter argument. 
But what is it going to take for that for to pull the trigger to see that Manny again? Is it going to be initial success for Manny, where let's say he scores an early knockdown, or let's say his speed and awkwardness is too much for Floyd early? He has an advantage. He's tagging Floyd. Floyd is you know c- covering up. He's he's clinching. He's doing things to to buy time. Is that going to bring out the Manny who goes for the kill, or is it going to be more of a desperation mode after Floyd's mid fight adjustment? If Pacquiao gets in a situation where it's obvious, say he's down you know seven rounds to one, six to two something like that is that going to see the Manny who who has no fear who really steps on the gas I think we all want to see them that version of him come out because it's our best chance of, of really seeing a good fight I still believe that guy's in there Rafe how do we channel that guy out I mean is it as easy as saying Beetlejuice three times fast in a mirror like wh- how do we do this I you know just don't ever don't ever do the Candyman thing I'm not built for that <laughs> don't say Candyman but look um I, you know, there's one thing from from the early days in Manny's career up, you know, when he was just this raw, really unskilled fighter with a lot with with, you know, great physical attributes and 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 a, a ton of spirit up till now, even when he's a much better boxer, uh, one of the one of the best boxers in the world still. Um, the one thing that gets him going really is adversity is getting getting popped, you know, and that's why that might be why we saw more of that old old school you know just ferocious manny earlier in his career because he wasn't as good a boxer and he would get hit more and then you know with the the classic you know bang the fist together or hold his hands up you know nod his head you know bite on his on his on his mouth guard and then charge in to go get back even you know two times what the other guy just gave him that's what made his fights against some of the against Morales and Marquez so great because they were wired the same way. So you'd have those brilliant exchanges, the boom, 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 then he comes back and gets hit, and then they come back harder. I think that losing a little bit, getting getting caught by some really clean counters from Mayweather is what might awaken Manny. And maybe if he can't get anything done over several rounds after taking those shots, maybe then he starts to lose a little bit of that spirit. But I think at the beginning – if he takes a couple shots, that's what wakes Manny up and makes him come after you in, with that sort of ferocious, relentless, you know, stop it, nothing, I'm going to hit you right now energy. Uh, that, I think, is what makes him come out. Yeah, he, he's got to go for broke, man, no matter what. I think, you know, whether it comes through adversity, and that's probably the best channel, like you said, Broasis, you got to get to a point where you don't look back in anger. You know, you know, you got to just let it put it all on the table. I think Manny's going to be that guy in the long run. Final question, Rafe, give it to us. What role are the judges going to play in this fight? I mean, both fighters have had some questionable scorecards in the pat over the past few years. Both fighters are sort of favorites in in Vegas most of the time. Who do you think the judges might prefer in a close fight? I I think it's to me it's clear that they would prefer Pacquiao's style of activity, and I think we've seen that history in in recent big fights for both. I mean, look, if you're going to take the the awful scorecards that we've seen, the the most egregious ones for both Pacquiao and Mayweather fights in the last few years, if we're going to take them as face value, as that was those judges' opinion at the time, and no corruption, no nobody slipping you know secret envelopes under your sleeve or anything like that. You'd have to make a case then that the judges w- would prefer activity and the guy coming forward. Pacquiao lost on two of the scorecards against Bradley. 
Bradley never stopped coming forward, never stopped trying to win, even if Pacquiao was landing the harder shots in that situation. Uh, Maidana Mayweather in that regard, you know, there, there were judges that, that kept it close or, or gave a draw to Maidana because of that pressure. Even that maybe even that 114-114 CJ Ross card on the Mayweather-Canelo, could you make the argument that pot-shotting pot Mayweather didn't get the benefit of the doubt because good old CJ was uh, preferring uh, your ginger bros of Canelo, you know, his activity or his willingness to walk forward, even I, though I, mean, I can't even stick by that argument. Maybe CJ because, Ross just slipped you an envelope, brother. I yeah, don't know. yeah, I think she slipped me the black pill that Kirkland had before the Molina fight. But, uh, <laughs> you know, is it a stretch? I don't know. I think history shows us, Rafe, that in close fights, judges, especially in the recent years, they, they do, you know, award activity. I think we've seen that a lot. I mean, you know, how is Algeria going to win that fight against Provodnikov from, from two of the three judges there? Sure. No, you're right. I mean, I think that one thing to take into mind is that the judges in, in Las Vegas and oh, Floyd Mayweather and his style very well. They've sort of been educated to appreciate the way he fights, whereas, you know, you see uh, bo- defensive boxers, slick fighters often go in and lose fights that they seem to have won because they weren't active enough or because they didn't press the fight enough. Floyd, I think, gets more of the benefit of the doubt because of his celebrity and his success and everything he's earned, and also because these these judges have all seen him a bunch of times. They sort of know what to expect from his fight, and he's sort of uh, trained judges and referees to, to accept a Floyd Mayweather fight on Floyd Mayweather's terms. So I think that does... Uh, protect Floyd a little bit in this case if Manny outworks him. Yeah, we also know that we're in the middle of a really, really good first-round NBA playoff series between the San Antonio Spurs and the Los Angeles Clippers right now. And if that goes to get to Game 7, it would be on Saturday, May 2nd, pretty much right before the main event, Mayweather-Pacquiao. What if Manny is stuck in his locker room watching a basketball game and he pisses the judges off again? It's a good point, you know, but, you know, Jim Lampley's on the call, and we saw how angry he was last time Manny did that, and, you know, no one put nobody puts lamps in the corner, so I don't think we're going to see that again. <laughs> well, Rafe, that just about wraps up, uh, you know, the, the, the bulk of our Maypac preview as we look forward to Saturday. You know, just such what with the potential in my mind for such a, a really fantastic fight, and let's, you know, let's carry on the discussion and, and move it forward and talk to a guy who, you know, has a plenty of insight on this topic in welterweight and Showtime and CBS broadcaster Paulie Malinaji. What do you think, Rafe? Uh, as by insight, do you mean his epic quote that boxing is BS, man? <laughs> you must be talking about the 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 ever awesome Juan Diaz, the post Juan Diaz one uh, interview, which is always a classic. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's go away to this interview we did with Paul Malinaji last week. Uh, he talks all about the fight, a little bit about his uh, very exciting new podcast and uh, his return to the ring. We'll listen to that and be back in a while. And we are pleased to welcome into the ropes a man who who can really break down this Mayweather-Pacquiao fight for us. Two-time, two-division champion, Paulie Malinaji. He's a broadcaster with Showtime and with the PBC on CBS. He's been in the ring. He can call the fights, and he will also be making a comeback coming up on Friday, May 29th on Spike TV against Danny O'Connor. Paulie, thanks so much for joining the ropes. Thanks, man. Always a pleasure. 
Absolutely. And Paul, before we begin to unpack the big May 2nd showdown that ever, that's on the tip of everyone's mind, you will be making your own comeback here. This is on the PBC in Brooklyn. You'll be facing Danny O'Connor of Boston in a welterweight fight. Talk to us about the decision of making the comeback now. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's uh, sometimes you just need more excitement in your life, you know, uh, obviously. You know, there's one day where you're not going to be an athlete. And for any athlete, the end always comes. But I think at the time, at this point in time, I'm still young enough to compete. Uh, I've been in the gym uh, when I'm in, in town and home. And obviously, it's not that often because I, I travel a lot. But you know, about half the week I travel and half the week I'm home. And when I've been home, I've been been able to train pretty consistently at, at home, uh, getting some good sparring with uh, guys like Saddam Ali and Luis Colazo of late. And uh, you know, I just felt like I was doing pretty well. And uh, you know feeling like reflexes are still there and whatnot and say, you know what, why not give it a shot? I don't want to regret it later on, you know? uh, Like I said, eventually that rush of adrenaline goes away for good and you can never really satisfy uh, the craving for it. So while I'm here, might as well do it. Paul, this fight is going to be Friday, May 29th, a PBC card on Spike TV. Uh, What does this matchup, how did this matchup appeal to you for, for you to say yes for this one? Um... It was just presented to me, and uh, you know, I, I know Daniel Conner. He's a he's a good guy, but you know, business is business, and uh, I was I know I'm not really the type of person that turns down opponents. Uh, he's, he's I think he's pretty solid for a comeback opponent. Um, you know, he's he's come up short at the world class level, or when he's when he stepped up a little bit. But you know, he was a good old amateur. He was a, an alternate on the O8 Olympic team, so he's nothing to uh, he's no pushover. But at the same time, it's somebody that I feel like at this point in time, uh, you know. I can't be losing to the Daniel O'Connors of the world, regardless of how much he's bringing to the table. He's pretty good, but he's not somebody that I feel like I should lose to. Absolutely. Paul, oh, go ahead, uh, man. Yeah, it's hard to follow the lineage on titles these days. There's too many titles in the game, but w- will your Laniel Brooklyn title that you won from Judah be on the line for this one against O'Connor? <laughs> no, no, I think that was, just, uh, <laughs> that was just a fun title they made just for Brooklyn and whatnot. I, think, I don't think that's, I don't yeah, think that's a title that even gets defended, you know? Uh, well, Paulie, I mean, obviously we've also followed your career in the broadcasting booth, working with Showtime and also PBC on CBS, and, and you're going to be part of the team that covers Mayweather Pacquiao from Vegas on May 2nd. Um, you know, and and you know, we know you as one of the the most entertaining and insightful you know uh, analysis guys working right now. From a, from a technical standpoint in Mayweather and Pacquiao, uh, what's what what intrigues you about this matchup, and uh, and how are their styles going to c- clash? Well, I think it was intriguing is that, you know, the fight got made and, uh, you know, it's a fight that people have been waiting for. And, you know, boxing uh, has the fight that it's been craving. The fans have been craving and the business of boxing has been craving. It's been one that they've been trying to put together and they've come up short other times. So just on the fact that it's made, I think it makes it uh, pretty intriguing because, you know, it's it's, it's been up in the air as as far as it being made or not. as far as the technical analysis of it, I mean, I think both guys have their strengths and weaknesses. Obviously, they're two very good fighters, so there's more strengths and weaknesses. It's just about neutralizing each other. And, uh, you know, from my perspective, I just feel like Mayweather is the best fighter at neutralizing what you do. You know, right. he may not have the best offense. He may not be the fastest. Uh, he's very good defensively. And at the same time, I think the most important trait he has is his intelligence and his ability to take away what you do best. And so... I'm curious to see how he does it with a guy who's a very offensive-minded like Pacquiao. Right. You know? I mean, Mayweather has four very offensive-minded fighters before, like Miguel Cotto and even Canelo Alvarez, Blade and whatnot, and even Madonna and whatnot. So mm-hmm. 
So I'm curious to see how he is able to uh, kind of uh, diffuse the bomb uh, that is Pacquiao's offense, and uh, you know if he can do it or not. You know, and uh, that'll that'll that's probably the intrigue of the fight. Of course. Now, I mean, you've been pretty outspoken over the years about how one you think that Floyd, you've always favored Floyd in this fight, pretty clearly. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have an idea? Like you're talking about what he might do. What what specifically do you? Imagine he might be able to do to to take away some of what Manny has done well over the years. I think I think uh, I think early on Floyd will be Floyd, and it'll be a pretty tedious affair. I don't I don't expect the fight to start fast. Although I do expect Manny to try to start fast. Um, I don't think you can come out with surprises and see Manny starting slow because the slower the pace, the worse it is for Manny. Yeah. So I don't think there's any surprises there. Manny's going to have a shot at winning this. Um, he's he's better off starting fast. I think it's to his own detriment if he doesn't start fast. I think you start, you see uh, an attempt at starting fast by Manny, and you know I don't see Floyd starting slow, but at the same time I see Floyd, you know, just taking his time and um, you know just trying to, you know, basically have Pacquiao missing and and you know trying to uh, take away the confidence of Pacquiao in his own offense, and then you do that by not only making a miss, but at times you make a miss, and you know even those little pot shot counters where you're not stepping in totally with them because. To step in fully with all your counters right off the bat, you may be taking a risk at getting hit with a follow-up shot. Mm-hmm. So, I think you more see Floyd, you know, stepping in with pot shot counters or not stepping in at all with counters at times, just having Pacquiao miss altogether. And so, little by little, the trick is, to, you know, you would if Floyd is having his way, he'll be able to frustrate Pacquiao into making him realize that the offense that I have that works so well is not working here. And then, as Floyd rounds go on and he starts to get the timing better off of Pacquiao's misses and make him pay, he'll start to be comfortable stepping in harder on the counters, and he'll be start to be comfortable leading more than he's been leading, because I don't think early on he'll be leading a lot. He'll just be leading like he needs to. Right. Uh, I think he'll start to take the initiative and start to lead more as the fight wears on, probably about after around four or so. And at that point, I, you know, once Pacquiao's got down in his offense and Floyd has got more, more belief in his own offense, besides the countering, it'll be Floyd leading more and more. And I don't know if Manny Pacquiao can fight on the back foot. We've yet to see him fight on the back foot. He never, you would think, against Marmar. Well, Marquez, in all those close fights, he would have tried to adjust and fight off the back foot, but he never did. Um, I don't know if he even knows how to fight on the back foot. So if you back up Manny Pacquiao, does he even know how to, how to defend himself? And I think it's a, that's a key point in the fight because I do see Floyd eventually walking him down. And um, if Pacquiao doesn't know how to defend himself at that point, um, you know, the fight becomes one-sided but you know that's that's of course the drama in the fight is if it does evolve that way i see it evolving into those little pieces and little by little you know i see the fight evolving a certain way as it goes on and you know basically in thirds or in quarters of the fight you know what i'm saying and so right. we'll see if uh if that's the way it evolves but that's kind of how i see it playing out in my mind and uh you know we'll see how it plays out in reality Paul, if you're gonna if you're somebody who's gonna build a case for Pacquiao's chances here, I think you're gonna look at that. You know, he still has the elite hand speed at age 36. That in the in the times that Floyd has faced guys with hand speed, they've they've maybe given him a little bit of trouble earlier on. Do you think Floyd will have a tougher time making that adjustment to the speed and angles than he did against some of the other softballs against the Zab Judah, for example, that he faced? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, everybody wants to pick the Zab Judah fight, but uh, you know. There was a, the versatility in Zab is a, is a bit different than the versatility in Pacquiao. Zab can jab at you on his own. And I think the speed that gave Pac, gave Floyd trouble when it was speedy guys is guys that not only know how to use speed, but also know how to use their jab to keep you off balance. I think the only time Pacquiao is seen using his jab is when he's trying to set up a straight left hand yeah. or when he's trying to set up a counter. 
the guys, the speedy guys that troubled Floyd were the guys that knew how to use a jab on its own. So therefore, they had options as to just jabbing at Floyd and keeping him off balance, and then also using the jab to obviously set up the combinations and set up the power behind it. Um, you know, it takes a certain amount of patience to do that, but yet it takes a certain amount of intelligence as well as to know when to use which jab, you know, if you're using the jab on its own or if you're using the jab with a follow-up with combinations. You have to feel that in the moment, and I don't know that Pacquiao has that intelligence in the ring. Um, hello? Yeah. Oh, oh sorry. I thought though I heard a quick up the phone off. But yeah, so I, I don't I don't know that Pacquiao has that intelligence in the ring to be able to differentiate that because he's shown a, a vulnerability in, in that way his whole career and that he rushes his offense all the time, you know. And um, obviously, um, in rushing his offense, it got him knocked out. But also in rushing his offense, he also tends to get hit a lot, even when he hasn't been knocked out, you know. Obviously, there was a certain amount of time where, even though he was getting hit walking in, he was still managing to, you know, his chin was managing to hold up against guys like Cotto and Margarito, where, you know, he's overwhelming them with, with activity and overwhelming them in, in that firepower, the hurricane of firepower, because of his stamina and uh, his chin. But um, I don't know that we're going to see that in this fight. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know that he's going to walk into a shot and get knocked out. I'm not saying that. But at the same time, you know, of late, when Pacquiao walks in to a shot, it, it makes him stop his forward progress, and he has to reset. Um, and that's something we didn't see in those fights with Cordo Margarita and whatnot. Um, attributed to what you want, attributed to what you will. Um, without that, he's going to have to adjust the way he enters Floyd's punch zone. Basically, you have to control range. So having speed means nothing if you don't know how to control the range and, and mm-hmm. gain the range and whatnot. And I think uh, that's where the puzzle is for Pacquiao. Can he control the range? Or will it, will it be Floyd's controlling the range? And so that, that's a big key because no matter how much speed or power you have, if you cannot understand and control the range, it, it's all for nothing. Absolutely. And very interesting the, the way you broke that down there. When you look at Floyd's recent run, I think people can make a case. You can point to the two Maidana fights. If you're going to play the argument that Floyd has slipped in certain ways, I think you're, you're specifically going to, going to point to the first one where Maidana, with the punches and punches, with the constant pressure, was at least able to stay in the fight and be a factor longer than we have seen other people with the traditional offensive approach. We know that Pacquiao's non-traditional in some ways. Do you see any opening where... Maybe Pacquiao's just speed and explosiveness could could be more of a factor for Mayweather than maybe we might assume. I think I think the problem with Mayweather had with the Madonna fight was Madonna's sheer physicality and uh, you know the the bully tactics and obviously we've seen guys use bully tactics on Floyd before and they haven't worked. You know guys like Hatton, um, but even guys like Cotto had some measure of success with those bully tactics that when he when he used the behind that sharp jab. Um, Jose Luis Castillo had a measure of success with those bully tactics, you know, uh, behind his awkward offense. Manny Pacquiao is not physically strong enough to even attempt to bully Floyd Mayweather. I think if he tries to be on the inside with Floyd, I don't think he even knows how to fight that well on the inside. So I think in this case, you know, Floyd can fight on the inside with Pacquiao, and I don't see really Pacquiao being able to deal with that. So I think it's going to be the Pacquiao that we've seen, and that's the guy that tries to sharpshoot from the outside and enter the punch zone uh, behind some, you know, fast feet and, 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 and hard punches and fast combinations. But, uh, again, if you're the in-and-out type of fighter, you're going to have to figure out tricky ways of entering that distance, uh, entering that punch zone. You know, Pacquiao is an in-and-out fighter. He's not a Maidana. Maidana is actually total opposite of an in-and-out fighter. He's looking to get in and stay in, you know, and he'll stay in any way he can once he's in. Meaning he'll drape himself all over you and use elbows and forearms and, and, and dirty tactics and 
be very physical, hence, hence the bully tactics that I called them. Uh, it's effective. It's, 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 it's a tough guy to deal with, but it's totally not what Pacquiao does. Pacquiao's initiative, Pacquiao's mentality in the fight is to be in and be out. That's, that's how he fights. He's in, in and out. I call those kind of fighters in and out kind of fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, even, as a matter of fact, I, I've, I've, I'm, in my own boxing career, I've been more of an in and out fighter myself. Just, you know, make a comparison. There's certain fighters use certain tactics and certain styles. Pacquiao uses the in and out style. So when you use the in and out style, you're going to have to be very tricky with your ins because if they become too repetitive, if you become too predictable, you're going to start getting timed on your way in. And you're also going to start getting timed on your way back out, too. So, um, you know, this, the, Maidana, the whole thing with Maidana is, is totally, for me, it's, it's totally irrelevant uh, because it was a different kind of style that troubled Floyd. Has Floyd slipped? Yeah, I don't think it's the Floyd who's 30 years old anymore. Um, but uh, at the same time, it's going to take um, a certain kind of tactic from Pacquiao, and the Maidana blueprint is really... Um, you can throw it out because I think Maidana is physically stronger than Pacquiao anyway. You know, Paulie, I think uh, boxing fans who've you know followed the sport and your career over the years will 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 sort of know and remember that you've sort of been a, a long time skeptic or or you know been not afraid to. to criticize Manny through, you know, even sort of at his hottest moments. Uh, what was it, I mean, like, where, I guess, where, where did that come from? What did you see back then that, that you were, you know, willing to sort of step out on that ledge when other, everyone sort of felt like the whole world was, was just Manny, Manny, Manny? Well, it was, uh, you know, it was basically what I've always said, you know. Uh, uh, you know, I, I saw the Miguel Cotto fight. Mm-hmm. I'd seen him win other fights, and, you know, I was, you know, I was a fan like everybody else. And I saw the Miguel Cotto fight, and it wasn't that he won the Miguel Cotto fight. It was how he won the Miguel Cotto fight. And it dawned on me that there was something wrong. I know when I watch boxing what I'm watching. I'm very, very confident in what I watch. I've been in gyms my whole life. I, I'm a sponge to this. Even if I may not be the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world, I've done it cleanly, and I know fighters that do it cleanly, and I know how much weight classes really matter. And I know how much you know they have to be respected, and there's a certain, way, certain tactics you have to change when starting to move up in weight and whatnot. And I just saw a guy that went up with a total disrespect for weight, um, total disrespect for the new weight class power. Uh, all his defense was just careless defense, right. uh, which is one of the main tragic things that a fighter can do when trying to move up too much in weight. Um, even as fighters like Tommy Hearns and Alexa Aguayo, who were actually physically big enough to move up in weight and still couldn't hack it when, when their chins got touched. And I saw this, and I, and I saw this, and, and for me it made me, you know, it made me realize, like, you know what? I don't know. I don't know about this guy, you know. And then, you know, I, I didn't really wasn't going crazy about it. But then, when the Floyd Mayweather fight was not made over random drug testing, it only further emphasized my point. I said, no, okay. And this guy, you know, now Floyd's asking for random drug testing, which which I thought was fine because I I recognize the same thing in the Miguel Cotto fight that I'm sure Floyd recognized. Sure. And so I said, all right, he's going to ask for random drug testing, and he's going to be fine. And uh, and. You know, maybe it's just a hunch that I have in my mind that, you know, maybe I could be wrong. And then Pacquiao turned it down. And then I realized, okay, you know what? There's something funny. There's something very fishy to me about this guy. Maybe everybody wants to be a fan and everybody wants to be, you know, the, the guy, see the guy who smiles and shakes hands. But if, and I'm saying if, because, you know, nobody's ever right. going to know for sure. If you're a cheater, aren't you going to be the, the politician too? Aren't you going to be the guy who smiles and shakes hands so everybody's supposed to expect you less anyway? You know, what it, the smiling and shaking hands doesn't matter anyway. It's, re- it's irrelevant to what you're doing if you're doing anything or if you're not doing anything, you know? All that stuff can be a, a fun regardless. You know, so so I don't know. You know, uh, I, I saw that, and then I saw the guy who started random drug testing after he was knocked out by Juan Manuel Marquez, and I saw the 
the diminishment in stamina, the diminishment in punching power, and a guy who suddenly had to respect the opponent when he got hit. He wasn't walking through it anymore. When he did get hit, he had to take a step back and reset like a normal fighter does. So, you know, for me, I, it's, I'm not telling you it's, I'm, I'm, it's a full-blown fact, but in my mind, the way I believe it, the way I, from what I know about boxing, and it, believe me, when I break down anything else in boxing, people understand it and they clearly get it, and I know when I break this down, they clearly get it, they just don't want to get it. I, I, I trust in myself, and I trust in what I see. So, so in that case, we have a fight March, on May 2nd, and, you know, yeah. we've been seeing the random drug tested back there for the past year now, and I don't know that that guy can be in the ring with with even some of the other welterweights in the world, let alone the best welterweight in the world. So we'll see. Maybe I'll get proven wrong. Maybe I'll be right. But that's been that's kind of the history behind some sure. of the criticism behind uh, what I said about Pacquiao in the past. And, um, you know. Paulie, this, this Mayweather-Pacquiao fight, it could do so much for the sport in what is already kind of a big year with the, with the launch, of course, of Val Heyman's Premier Boxing Champion Series, which you, you're an announcer on the CBS broadcast. You're going to be fighting on one of those cards. Paul, you've always been a guy who's been, you know, outspoken against the, the, the things that are wrong in the boxing business, always been a guy who's a little bit ahead of the curve. At times you were anti-Heyman, then you became pro. What's your take on what what Heyman's doing with this PBC and what it could do long-term for the, for the boxing game as a whole. It was just frustrating, you know, at the time of not being with Heyman and just seeing the way, uh, you know, unfortunately the business of boxing doesn't take care of its fighters most of the time. Um, There's people that take advantage of fighters in ways that people don't even realize or recognize, you know, from the outside, everything looks kosher and good, but from the inside, it's not very good, you know? And so, you know, I, I, from being in this business for so long and, and, and having been a part of it, and, you know, 17 is so much bad. And even some good, you know, whatever. It's, uh, I, I was, uh, you know, a little bit frustrated at the fact that, you know, I, I had been through so much and I couldn't get some of the treatment that some of the other fighters were getting. And then, uh, you know, I didn't see anybody helping me. Yeah, I tried to lash out against it, but I didn't, nobody helped me. Nobody stood up. I mean, everybody wants me to be the fall guy at the end of the day, but nobody wants to be the fall guy with me. Nobody wants to stand up anything with me so when i was offered a chance to be on the other side i said you know what i've worked very hard i've been on i've been on this other side i've been on the wrong side and nobody took my back let me try this other side and see if i, if I have any backing and I, I ended up on a side with al Heyman, and i ended up on a side that has its fighters backs 100 percent. maybe the fans get frustrated maybe the media gets frustrated with the Heyman boxing model but i'll tell you who doesn't get frustrated who gets stay very taken care of are all his fighters. You don't see a single Heyman fighter who complains publicly nor privately. And I and I and they all talk to me privately as well as publicly. You know because I'm in the locker rooms. I'm with the fighters. So you know, and it's the first time I've, I've seen this in in, a, in this in my years in boxing is a, a person that everybody who's working with him is happy with him. And so you know, I I, um, I can only go from the experiences that I see and I talk to and my even my own experience. And uh, I don't regret my I don't regret my decision. Absolutely. From the business model standpoint, do you think this is something that could, people have referenced, you know, the UFC plan, is this something that could be a league in your eyes that could really change the way the general sporting public looks at boxing? I think it, I think PBC does have kind of its own brand, you know, as far as uh, separating itself from everything else. You know, it's kind of like the look with the ring entrances and the whole, the setup, the production setup uh, for each show is kind of similar or the same, you know. I do see the the branding aspect of it in that PBC is boxing, but it's its own brand of boxing in that way. So, yeah, I, I do see what you're getting at or with that. 
and it's, there's some pros and cons to it. I mean, uh, the pros are that you know you're promoting the fighters and not so much the championships or the uh, or the uh, sanctioning bodies. You know, uh, from the negative side is you know not everybody gets to join the league. You know, or so to speak, is uh, if you want to call it the league. You know what I'm saying? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, not everybody will work with Al Heyman and and, and allow their fighters to fight in the PBC uh, situation. You know, so. You know, I think if all of boxing did this and worked together on it, I don't see how it would fail. You know, if every promoter was in on this and would work with Al Heyman on this and then would, would be a part of it, I don't think it would fail because the actual model works. It's just there's too many selfish people in the puzzle, you know. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can do for their fighters what Al Heyman can do for his fighters. And so if you own fighters, if you have fighters, and you don't want to do what Al does for your fighters, then for his fighters, and, you know, what are you working with fighters for? Fighters should get the maximum benefit of, of everything because they work so hard. We, 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 have a, we are already involved in a very difficult sport, and combat is a very difficult way to make a living. So if you cannot take care of your fighters the way Al does, then why don't you just work with him and make sure your guys get taken care of, you know? And that's the thing. Yeah. Uh, for me, if, if, because it's not like that, I feel like it's a lot of selfishness on the other side. It's just, you know, and that, I think at the end of the day, it's the fighters being taken care of that, that counts most. You Spread know, love. It's the Brooklyn way, right, Paulie? Yeah. The yeah. uh, boxing way. Yeah. Could be anyway. Let me ask. Um, you know, uh, do you think that that, that the the reputation of PBC or, or Al Heyman could be improved if they were just if if Al Heyman wasn't this sort of mystery man who never spoke publicly to the press and things like that? Uh, it, it seems like something that one gets him more bad press and uh, then maybe he would if, you know, obviously a lot of media people like to be catered to. Everyone in the world likes to be catered to, right? Um, so, I mean, would 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 this negative side be, you know, a little more positive if the, if, if the way Al did business seemed a little more open? I mean, I mean not necessarily. I mean, what, just because Al's not a camera hog, he's, he's got to get punished by, uh, with criticism, just because he's not a camera Why can't his body of work speak for him? You know, why? Because he's He's not a, why because because most people are are, are self conscious and and uh, immature and and they're uh, insecure in themselves and, they are, and if they had his kind of power they would be in front of the camera every second of every day and he's not like that you know why 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 criticize the guy for not being a camera whore when when he easily could be I mean I think I think it's respectable I think so many I think so many people in his position would hog the camera they would they would hog they would hog the spotlight he doesn't. He, he wants it for his fighters. He feels like the fighters are the ones that deserve the, the recognition and the respect. You know, he's just doing a, a job for them, a service for them. I mean, why, why can't the guy get respected for providing for the fighters the right way? You know, and 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 give and, and, and be given credit for for taking care of, of of the fighters the right way and marketing the sport in a way where that's unprecedented. I mean, the guy the guy found sponsors, found investors, and turned his own money to put boxing back on network TV. I mean, for me, at the end of the day. It, it, it's almost like a no-brainer. You have to be a very ignorant person to, to complain about this if, you, if you're a fan of boxing. So, you know, I mean, it shows to show you how many ignorant people really exist in the world. I mean, you you, can, you feel what you don't know. Why you have to see Al Heyman in front of you and, and in front of the cameras uh, in order to give him credit. Uh, what, what's the fear behind that? What, what, what's the use in fearing that when you see the body of work is very respectable as it is? 
Yeah, I think in the long run it'll obviously be judged by the matchups, which you know since the launch of the PBC have been very good. So there's not too much to complain about here, Paul. Before we get we out of here, we wanted to give you a chance to talk about your new endeavor. You're a broadcaster, a fighter. You're also in the podcast game, Paulie Malinaji from Brooklyn to the world with your best friend and quarterman Peter Cards, Peter Ferraza. Uh, I'm a big fan, Paulie. It's funny. You're, you guys get real honest. How has this been for you so far? It's been fun, you know. Uh, it was just kind of brought up as an idea to do this, and uh, me and Peter, you know, we have a good rapport. We're, uh, you know, we're best friends. Uh, he's been in my corner for so many years. You know, obviously he's not the head guy, but if you've followed my career, Peter's always been in the corner. And so, uh, you know, I, I think it's a chance for people to get to know him because he's the funniest person I know, and he's got <laughs> his own reputation and character. It is just I, I feel like people should get to know him as well. And, um, you know, we've got a good dynamic because we know each other so well. So on, on, on um, whether you record it or whether it's not, I mean, we are the podcast 24-7. You're just getting a, a glimpse into it <laughs> by having an hour with us. But basically, anytime we, we hang out and we, uh, you know, we have conversation and we talk and we're doing anything, this is basically all us, the way we, we interact. We're just interacting for the public for about an hour of our week, you know, so... So it's pretty cool. It's pretty funny, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we get to let everybody else into it and, and get to enjoy a little bit of it because you know, it's funny to me every day. <laughs> I get this type of stuff every day, so, so I'm well, glad the, people can get a little bit of time. The stories of, of knocking out cab drivers and all that—they'll ne- that'll never get old <laughs> yeah, on me. Yeah, we, you know, we always get into all sorts. You know, I, I, I've been through a lot with Peter. You know, he's he's been through for my be- my good times and my bad times. He's literally been a, a, a real best friend. You know, and so you know, there's all kinds of funny, crazy, nutty stories. There's feel good stories. There's sad stuff, and it's everywhere. You know, I, we like to share some of our experiences. We don't always agree, and we're not afraid to disagree with each other, even on the air. It's what it is, and you know, obviously, we both love boxing, and it's been uh, it's been our first walk. Well, he's always been for you there for you, even when you needed to cut off your braids that time in the corner before between rounds. Yeah. He was always there for you, yeah. Paul. <laughs> yeah, well, he actually uh, was the one who told me uh, when I got them. He's like, "Are you, bro? Are you sure those are gonna those are gonna stay? You, know? <laughs> you sure those are gonna stay in place for the fight?" I was like, "Oh, come on, man, cut it out." Yeah, <laughs> obviously, everybody else is ready except me that night. Oh, Paulie, we thank you so much for your time here. Paulie Malinaji going to be on the part of the broadcast team for the May 2nd Saturday pay-per-view Mayweather Pacquiao. You can catch him on, on Showtime, on PBC, on CBS, and catch him in the ring, Spike TV, Friday, May 29th, on the Con Algeri undercard when you face Danny O'Connor. So, Paulie, enjoy the fight. Thanks so much for giving us some time. Thanks, man. Anytime. Take thank care. you, Paulie. Take care. Let me tell you, I, we, we ended that interview talking a little bit about, uh, I did a little Harold Letterman there. He said, Brian, let me tell you. I got to tell you, Brian. Four I, uh, rounds We ended to that three. interview with Paulie. <laughs> we ended that interview with Paulie uh, talking a little bit about his podcast. And, and you know, I, I got to say, I know some people in the boxing community have complained about it or say it's, it's, it's kind of too much fluff. As a New Yorker, I kind of love just listening to two New York guys kind of, you know, shoot the breeze for a little while and hear those accents in my head a lot. You know, we a lot of us have to move on to other places in the city. It's nice to sort of get back into the into the swing of things with with some real New York voices in your head, talk telling like New York stories. I appreciate Paulie's podcast for that. Oh, dude, uh, I don't but, care if you if you call that a guilty pleasure, I'm fine with calling it that because that podcast has me laughing out loud a lot, and I, and I don't care who knows they they do a good job there and like. I reference to Paulie that story of, of his buddy Peter Cards uh, knocking out the cab driver with a body punch on New Year's Eve that, body that, shot, that, man. That's, that's worth the price of admission alone come on 
All right. Well, last weekend you were at Madison Square Garden to see Vladimir Klitschko defend his heavyweight title against Brian Jennings. I was on an airplane eating eating interesting interpretations of, of American food by Southern China Airlines. Uh, why don't you tell me what that fight was like while I was munching on some uh, some potatoes? Here, you know, in the end, it wasn't the Vlad walkthrough and an early knockdown that we thought for his 18th consecutive title defense, which is really, you know, amazing to begin with, whether he's fought, you know, anybody or nobody or whatsoever. It ended up being an interesting fight because the unbeaten Brian Jennings was just more difficult than we ever thought he could be based on his prior history. And really, I think then anyone else Vlad has faced in a while, he'd really faced that prototype of the robotic European heavyweight leading up to this. And what Jennings really did, he was quick, he was athletic, he was raw in sort of, in sort of an explosive way. And he really gave Vlad fits. He put Vlad in a situation where it just wasn't feasible for Vlad to throw the right hand. Jennings leaned back so far that Vlad's right hand was just going to put Vlad in a, in a situation to be countered. So, you know, it wasn't the most exciting fight, but it was sort of dramatic in a tactical way. Jennings really came on in the second half. He ended up losing relatively wide scorecards, but I felt he impressed it, you know, did more than expectations and all that. But even bigger than this fight, Rafe, I was pretty impressed by the scene at Madison Square Garden. It really felt like a special night with the, the heavyweight title coming back to, to the world's most famous arena. It was Vlad's first return to the U.S. and to New York City and MSG since 2008 when he was pretty much booed off the continent in that sleep-inducing title unification bout against Sultani Bragamov. It was like that bout never happened, Rafe. And I think the difference was... I didn't know there was that many Ukrainian people in greater New York City. That He sold out the lower room, you know, the, the, the big room at Madison Square Garden, and there was just an outrageous amount of pro Vlad fans, fans there. The Ukraine flags were flying everywhere. Look, he was fighting an unbeaten American on top of that, a Philadelphia fighter. And Vlad was essentially the hometown fighter here. The crowd was electric the entire time from start to finish. There's some famous... Uh, Ukrainian singer named Ruslana who gave a, a national anthem with some power and, and emotion and charisma like I'd never seen before. And anytime a USA chant started, it, it easily got drowned out within seconds. Rafe, it was a fun atmosphere. And I never really saw that coming for all. It was like New York City miss Vlad and they had to give him a big hug and kiss and welcome him back in. That's nice. Was it was it Ruslana Provodnikov by any chance? Uh, you I know, I was hoping – I was hoping to dig uh, through the bio and find that, but uh, uh, it was an interesting outfit she had on, too. But that's a whole other issue whatsoever. She brought it. I'm proud of her. She did a great job. Crazy atmosphere, like I mentioned. Uh, what we didn't necessarily get, though, Rafe, is what we sort of saw. We thought we were getting with the price of admission was a let's go champ from Shannon Briggs. No rushing of the ring. No uh, showing up in the crowd. No fan man. No nothing from your guy, the cannon. Uh, it's just a shame. I think, I think we talked about this a little bit last week. I think that Shannon either realized he was getting a little too close for comfort to an actual Klitschko fight, or there was something behind the scenes where Klitschko's people made it very clear that, you know, the next time he tried some wild stunt, uh, they were just going to call the cops and have him, you know, spend a night in jail, which I think anyone reasonably wants to avoid. So <laughs> well, it seemed I to feel be- like that, that charming chapter in boxing history may be over. Yeah. It, I mean, I think it got to him. You know, I, I think uh, it, that part was in his head. He did show up to the weigh-in on Friday. He was a loud presence. But again, just like his, his press conference appearance a few days earlier, it was more comedic than anything else. He was playing the part of Shannon the Cannon. 
except for the end. And the most cameras didn't pick this up. You probably saw some some rogue cameras on Twitter if if you'd searched that far. But mm-hmm. I think Shannon the Cannon has a new fodder because it, while the pack of the crowd was leaving the weigh-in area and they were trying to get everybody out of the garden lobby because the uh, Rangers playoff game was going to be in a few hours, and Deontay Wilder strolls up in a in a crazy looking suit and. Shannon Briggs threw out the bait, and he trapped him. And they had this electric, hostile screaming match from you know two feet away at each other, and they had to be separated. And suddenly, everyone's going, "Oh, that's what's going to happen next. You're going to see Briggs showing up on your next PBC on NBC card." And it was very interesting. I was to... say, Shannon's no dummy. He's trying to get that Al Heyman money, baby. Oh yeah, dude, he's trying to get paid. He's in. Uh... You know, not maybe not a smart, maybe not that, you know, maybe not a non-smart move on his part. So if he does end up, you know, I don't think Wilder has a huge pool of potential opponents. You know, maybe a Tony Thompson or a Steve Cunningham would just side with Al Heyman. I don't think there's a lot of, you know, big-time heavyweights out there. I mean, Chris Ariel hasn't looked good. So if we have to do Wilder-Briggs with with the for the entertainment factor, it might not be the worst thing in the world. i got to tell you that, Rafe. If we get the full canon treatment, I will sign on for any Shannon Briggs fight. Absolutely, and, and hashtag on that abs because they were still in, a, in full effect, man. That that dude's getting down. Uh, Rafe, let's wrap up this whole thing with a nice bonnet here, with a nice, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it here. We've been previewing this Mayweather-Pacquiao fight for weeks. We've gone all over all the scenarios. We'd have plenty of great guests, and before this fight, I urge everyone to, to go back into our archives there on iTunes and listen to our interviews with Chris Algeri, Robert Garcia, with with you know Paulie Malnagi in this one. We, we've uh, who am I missing here, Rafe? Oh my God, uh, we had Steve Smoger on last week. Uh, we went deep. We went deep we from a, a, a very you know from a couple different perspectives here to sort of iron this out for you. Now I think it's time that we we you know we come to a conclusion here, Rafe. You know our predictions, but a, but a detailed prediction, Rafe. For your money, all all that said and done, five and a half years in the making. You know, are they past their prime? Are they not? Who's more you know evenly matched? Whatever. How is this fight going to play off on Saturday? Oh man, uh, I got to tell you, I uh, you know I, we we both participated right when the fight was made in a in a short in a brief. ESPN.com boxing uh, roundtable, not roundtable, sort of uh, shoot-around type deal about who we thought would win, a quick prediction. And I chose Manny Pacquiao. Uh, I thought that Floyd had looked slow enough in recent in, in, in 2014 against uh, Marcos Maidana. It seemed like he wasn't using his legs as much as he used to. Uh, I thought that Manny had recovered well from after his, his three fights since the knockout loss to Juan Manuel Marquez. I thought Mayweather hadn't fought a guy with speed in, in so long, and that it would and that Manny's speed would really cause him pr- trouble, and that and that Manny really had a chance to go in and and, and give him uh, a, a you know maybe get him in trouble, maybe even knock him down for the for what would be the first time officially, except for the time he took the knee. Uh, but man, you know. I'm starting to get nervous listening to Paulie, uh, the way he sort of painted the picture of, of Mayweather frustrating Manny and, uh, and, and slowly sort of, you know, bleeding the fight out of him before, before walking him down. That's a, that's a convincing case from a guy who knows a lot about boxing, and, and I've heard it made by him and several others. Uh, but what, what the hell, man? I mean, like, we only live once. I want to see maybe a few a few editions of this fight, and the best way for that to happen is for Manny Pacquiao to win. So I'm going to stand by my guns and say that I think that Manny has enough, and he wants this fight bad enough. I think he really 
he this is this is important to him. And in the past, I think there are ones that he might have been doing just because he wants to stay busy. He wants a huge payday. He's financing political campaigns. You know, how does Manny Pacquiao really get that up to fight Chris Algieri, who wasn't even in his world six months before then? But this fight has been on his mind for five years. We're going to see the best of whatever Manny has left. And I think it's going to be enough to get build an early lead and then stay up on the scorecards through stealing a couple rounds, just pressing the fight and uh, and holding on and and not you know not giving up whenever Floyd springs whatever adjustment he's got in his back pocket. Bold, bold. You went for it there. And I think uh, if Pacquiao was able to win that, you in in the Philippines, there's going to be a lot of people celebrating every day. No more public housing. I mean, this is going to be a celebration, right? Well, uh, I mean, a lot of people would, would argue that the Philippines could use a little bit more public housing in general. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, housing issues aside, wherever people live, you know, as, as Manny likes to say, mahirap lang o mayaman, rich or poor, uh, people are going to be extremely proud and happy if he pulls this off. And, and I look forward to, if that happens, I look forward to seeing your, your coverage of that experience. I think it's going to be memorable either way. Uh, I do echo the, the ultimate prediction here of you. I picked Pacquiao by split decision in the beginning. I've stayed with that throughout this whole promotion. And look, I've been one of those guys who for five years would have said Mayweather would have won because like I always say, I think that as great as Pacquiao was back when he had the killer instinct more and he was that swarming storm to deal with, I always thought – Mayweather's defense in, in his IQ was that much better and that in this game, mm-hmm. uh, you know, top shelf defense is going to be find a way to get outside of his top shelf offense. Maybe he would have to walk through a storm, but I think he would have been able to, to make the fight more boring by using his wheels. I don't think he has those same wheels. And I think we saw that in the two Maidana fights that, that right now, he still got the smarts, still can, can pot shot and get around guys who don't have high end speed, but at 36, you know, Pacquiao's greatest strength is the, is the way that he's retained that hand and foot speed. I think that's going to make this inevitably a close fight on the cards. Mayweather is the rightful favorite, but I think without a doubt, this is going to the cards. It's going to be debated. I think it's going to feel and look a lot like Hagler. Uh, I'm, excuse me, Hagler Leonard is, is the what I'm trying to say. Not just in the fact that we waited so long for the buildup and people are arguing if they're waiting each other out, but the fact that that fight had had perfect ebbs and flows of almost three to four rounds each and ended with such a debated scorecard that we still debate to this day. You know, I think it, I could easily see a scenario where Pacquiao does win three of the first four rounds just by being quick, just by being more active, just by being awkward, by giving Mayweather enough pause to lower his output. I do see that mid-fight adjustment coming from Mayweather. He does figure out Pacquiao's rhythm to a degree. He's landing those right hands. How they adjust from there is going to be very interesting, but I think when it comes down to it, Pacquiao is going to be able to consistently step on the gas. And there was that mention we made about the judging history. I think when it comes down mm-hmm. to it, with two elite guys in a close fight where they produce close rounds, where even if it's clear that pa- that Mayweather is landing the cleaner shots, I think he's always going to be throwing and landing less of them because that's who he is these days. And I think the judges will shade Pacquiao. And in the end, almost in this weird... Almost like a karma way. I just feel like as much as this fight was destined to happen, meaning it fell apart so many times. We three months ago we thought it might never happen. It, it just kind of forced it. It involved a waiter in a Miami Heat game in a hotel room, and it just sort of 
you know the the world nature mother some some force cosmic force made this fight happen i think in that same regard it's it, it's destined to be close and i think almost in this weird way Pacquiao might be destined to win this thing and that we could be headed toward a, a big-time uh, rematch because I think boxing needs this and I think boxing deserves this and I think boxing has taken the short end of the stick for so long where the highest end pay-per-views each year are, are always typically the least entertaining fights and those are always the times that you're pulling in the casual fan. I think boxing is so due for a high-level fight between two all-time greats where it is this close and it does go back and forth. And ultimately, in the end, it's going to be which style did you did you prefer? As uh, our guy Barry Tompkins once famously said after Leonard Hagler, how do you like it? I think it's going to come down to that. Which style did you like better in this one? And I think it's going to be Pacquiao raising his hand in the end. And, man, you know, the best thing I can say about this fight is I think it's going to live up to expectations from a dramatic sense, from, from like I said, those ebbs and flows. And I think it's going to be Pacquiao victorious, and the fans will be the happy ones. Bam. Well, there you have it. I mean, where else were you going to find two supposed people who know boxing picking Manny Pacquiao in this fight? I don't know, man. I feel like we're outnumbered, but I feel pretty good about it too. Yeah, just something about it. You know, sometimes you 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 pick you you know you pick fights on the X's and O's and all that. Sometimes you do end up picking a fight on a hunch. You know, where where yeah, Mayweather the rightful favorite, but I feel like it's his time. You know that whole styles make fights thing, right? You know, like uh, Frazier was got blown out by Foreman, but he was just the right guy to give Ali problems. I think when you match up these styles, Pacquiao's just going to be that right guy to give him an issue. Man, it's going to be something to watch it play out. Um, I mean, uh, here for me in the Philippines, you there in Vegas, it's uh, it's uh, it's going to be something special for for everybody who loves boxing, man. Absolutely, dude. I mean, you know, if birth days were the worst days, this is going to be one of those rare fights where we're going to be sipping champagne because boxing fans are so thirsty. I got, you know, that's all I got for you right there. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the most 90s rap references I can sneak into one podcast. Come on. All right, man. Well, you want to take us out of here? This is a, uh, this is, I, my jet lag is starting to pull me into the slumber. The curtain is closing in front of me. I've been up since two in the morning. It's like five. It's, I don't even know what time it is. Uh, all I know is that come Sunday morning, I'm going to be in there sweating my, uh, my, uh, cojones off <laughs> and, uh, really hoping for a hell of a fight. Absolutely. And, uh, thanks to all the listeners out there for, for, you know, the, the, all the reviews, all the, all the ratings on iTunes, all the positive tweets we get. It's been all positivity. People seem to, to really like the ropes and we're going to continue to, to, you know, every, every few weeks bring you this type of, of analysis. We're so much looking forward to this fight on May 2nd. Follow us on Twitter, especially during the fight. I'm B Campbell ESPN. Rafe is at, at Rafe Bugs. Uh, follow our work on Grantland and ESPN.com. Big thanks. To the uh, to our producer Joe Fuentes, to David Jacoby, uh, to, for everyone involved in making this podcast happen. It's been a fun few weeks getting you guys ready for Mayweather Pacquiao. Now we're just going to see how it plays out in the end. Rafe, enjoy yourself in the Philippines, my man. Same to you in Vegas, and double thanks to our boy Paulie Malinaji. Great interview today. Absolutely, enjoy the fight, everyone. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs. Subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on podcast.